Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. We're your hosts for Swamp247.com. Blake, uh, I know that uh, Sunday I went on a little bit of a rant uh, regarding kind of really the whole state of the program, and I unfortunately probably monopolized a lot of our time. I heard that a couple times in the comments. So really what I want to do is, is touch on an area that we haven't talked about a whole lot in recent weeks with the start of the season. Let's talk about recruiting because I think right now with Florida – Sitting at three and two, five games in, right or wrong, I think the the interest from the fan base um, at this point in the actual season, probably relatively low. Now, I expect that to pick up, I think, a little bit next week when they travel to LSU and you've got, obviously, Georgia coming up. I think you'll pick up some interest. But for right now, I mean, homecoming against Vanderbilt, we'll talk about that a little bit in the second half of the show. But let's be honest, I mean, a 30-plus point spread, there's not a whole lot to talk about in our Thursday preview episode. One of the reasons we didn't shoot Tuesday, it just felt like there wasn't going to be a whole lot of new stuff necessarily to talk about. So let's talk about recruiting, because that is one area that a lot of fans have focused on as probably, in my opinion, an obvious area that Dan Mullen can potentially take another step, make life a little bit easier at Florida. And Florida has done a good job on the recruiting trail to start the month of October, which is something I know you talked about uh, last week on our show, talking about how October Florida had several uh, potential prospects in the mix to make their decisions. Blake, the first one went last night. Can you go ahead and fill us in on who that was, where he ended up committing, and what kind of player, whichever school was getting him or got him, is getting? Yeah, Thomas, uh, Florida landed a commitment uh, on uh, Wednesday night um, from four-star defensive lineman Jamari Lyons. Um, he's from Vieira High School there in the Melbourne area. Um, I, I think he's really um, – he's probably not a day one type of guy. I think he's one that, you know, has the length, six foot four, 295 pounds. He's got good size. But you need to continue to add some muscle mass on him, some size on him there. Um, he's a guy that Florida's coaching staff has sort of compared in the role of Zachary Carter – um, one that if you add some size, you can move him inside. You can use that athleticism and some speed off the edge to kind of move him around for the different fronts, how they like to use their defensive linemen. But Jamari, you know, for being a, you know, a relatively interior type of guy and seen as an interior type of guy, I mean, he's got 30 something plus sacks from his entire high school football career. I think he's got something around eight this year alone through five games. Um, so he's, Normally, when you see those defensive linemen, you know, they don't really put up those kind of numbers. So I think that's a you know a testament to his athleticism, 
Um, you know, he moves really well. Again, just continue to add that that size to keep, you know, keep the physicality up for him. Um, that's something that he's even mentioned to Andrew Ivins whenever they spoke before his commitment. Um, and, you know, uh, one of the reasons for, you know, picking Florida was Nick Savage in that weight program, you know, being able to add the weight on there. Uh, Jamari has been able to get re- to be really good friends with Javon Dexter at Florida. Um, he's seen the transformation that Dexter, who already came in looking like a grown man, but it's continued to fill out more. You know, he's seen that transformation that Dexter's gone through. Uh, really likes the, you know, the coaching pedigree of David Turner, um, who's coached a lot of big time guys over his, you know, coaching career already. So I think that, you know, that just, the, you know, Nick Savage, David Turner, along with being close to family, you know, he's mentioned that his grandparents are getting up there in age. It gives them a chance to come see him play. He's very close to his mother. He actually picked the October 6th commitment day because it is his mother's birthday. You know, this is a guy that I think has been seen as a lean to Florida probably really since June, but probably could even make a case before that. I mean, this is a guy that not a lot of people were surprised when he picked Florida over South Carolina. Um, but, you know, he really wanted to stick to that date because it's his mother's birthday. That's something that he's really sure. stuck to his guns to about for, you know, the better part of, you know, I think even since the 2020 season that that's been his ideal, you know, timeline for a decision, um, you know, but a really good pickup for Florida. You know, they always need help in the defensive line, continue to add those younger type of guys. They had to go through the transfer portal uh, heading into this season to, to add some of that size in there. So it's good to have a guy that's coming in as a freshman that you need to add that size to. And I think, uh, you know, in a couple of years, uh, maybe a year, maybe two years, he's a guy that's going to easily crack the rotation. Blake, I know that fans have talked a lot about uh, recruiting, especially in terms of the assistant coaches and and kind of who's pulling their weight and whatnot. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this seems like a guy that David Turner was very heavily involved with. Been recruiting him since a freshman. You know, I know it was a little bit harder because you have to, you know, there's some, some ways around it that you, you know, you, you can't really pick up the phone and call a kid until he's yeah. a junior, but he's been coming to camps. He's been coming to games since his freshman year. He's been calling David Turner since his freshman year. So, I mean, this is a longstanding relationship that two have had. My impression is that David Turner's done a pretty, pretty good job on the recruiting trail at this point. Definitely. You know, there's some guys um, that Florida was looking really great with, you know, maybe earlier in the year back in June, like Walter Nolan, uh, Chris McClellan, um, who are kind of trending away a little bit right now. But Florida still got a lot of guys on the board right now that are, you know, I think maybe don't have the star power that fans sit there and ooh and awe, but they have the stats and they've got the tape that really show that, you know, this is a three-star that can really play at a high level. Guys like Isaiah Hastings, who I really love his tape from his senior year that he's put out so far. Um, he's a guy that came and plays this year in Clearwater, uh, the Clearwater area, um, He's from Canada originally, um, and he's really turned a lot of heads this year. Jordan Phillips, a kid that's committed to Tennessee. Um, I'll be seeing him Monday night. They play West Orange High School, um, so I'll be attending that game on Monday. He's another guy that's got a lot of sacks to his name right now. Committed to Tennessee. He's been to two Florida games for home games so far this year. Um, So that's looking like a guy that Florida's definitely in the mix for right there. So, you know, while some of these guys are trending away, you know, Nigel Kelly is another guy that will be on campus this weekend at Florida down from the Fort Lauderdale-Dillard area. Um, He'll get his chance to see his first game should actually be spending the entire weekend on an unofficial visit, but he's staying for, you know, it's not like he's coming up for the game and heading out right after. Um, so, you know, there's some guys that Florida's still in it for on the defensive line, you know, position um, from the interior guys at D tackle to the guys that are really more of the edge guys at D end. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, an obvious spot that Florida has needed to shore up, you know, early in Dan Mullen's tenure, we <laughs> talked about it on this podcast quite a bit. Florida probably didn't do a great job recruiting interior linemen. You know, those 2018, 2019 classes, you didn't have enough of these kind of big body types uh, like a Jamari Lyons. And you're seeing the product of that now where Florida really had to dip into the transfer portal. I think you're starting to see in these last two classes, you mentioned Jervon Dexter being a guy that's really started to come along. Um, You'd hope to see more out of guys like Jalen Lee, Jalen Humphreys, Lamar Goods. Uh, I know Christopher Thomas is a freshman that came in. He's hurt a little bit right now. 
uh, but Desmond Watson also contributing. It seems like David David Turner's kind of getting this position group to the point where you're going to start to have that kind of class balance year by year. And obviously, Jamari Lyons is a big addition. Like you said, they've been on him for a long, long time. Blake, we talked about the month of October being a big month potentially for Florida. Let's talk about some of these other guys. I, I've got you know four to five names on my list that I'm looking at of guys potentially making October decisions that Florida is either in the mix for or maybe even in the driver's seat for. Uh, can you walk me through the next decision, maybe uh, tight end Jaleel Skinner? I know he's a guy that had visited Florida quite a bit in the offseason. At one point, it looked like Florida, Florida State. Now it seems a little bit less like that. Uh, my impression or my understanding is he's got about six schools and he's set to make a decision pretty soon here. Yeah, on Friday. Um, and I'll pull the time up right now for when he's making his decision. It'll be uh, Friday at uh, oh, cool. It's not on there. It's, uh, it's sometime during the middle part of the day, later part of the evening on Friday. But he'll you be have to be on swamp 247com all day. Exactly. So you should wake up at 8 a.m. and just hit F5 all day. <laughs> Um, but he's making his decision from about six schools, like he said, Florida being one of them, Alabama, Texas, Miami, Clemson, um, and Florida State are some of those schools in the mix for him. I think once we're hitting the stretch there, he did visit uh, Florida for the Alabama game. Um, he was in town for that game. He took an official visit back in June. Um, he even visited uh, last year before the, uh, the recruiting dead period hit right there in March. Um, for one of their big junior days that they had. So he's had a couple visits to Florida. Florida was actually his outright leader that he pointed to back in the summer. Or excuse me, I think it was more towards the spring part of uh, last year where he was pointing Florida as his outright leader. Not the case anymore. He really doesn't have an outright leader heading that decision. Florida State, like you said, was kind of the tr- team on the trend there. Um, it seems like he's kind of cooled on the Seminoles with their you know, rough start to the season. Exactly. Um, so with their rough start to the season, it seems like things have cooled there. I think at this point, Alabama is where I'm leaning. That's where I have my 24-7 sports crystal ball. I moved it off of Florida State um, and previously had moved it off of Florida. Um, so I've kind of played musical chairs there with the crystal ball there for a while. And that's kind of what this recruitment has been. It's been kind of a musical chairs type of recruitment. Really early on, Clemson was in there. He's from Greer, South Carolina. He plays at IMG Academy right now in the Sunshine State. But he's from that South Carolina area. Seems like Clemson really went more on a guy like uh, Oscar Delp, who's another four-star tight end there in, in the state of Georgia. Um, so, you, you know, he was there early. You know, then he was starting to lean towards Florida after a couple of visits there. You know, Kyle Pitts having that big season like they did. And then it was Florida State. Um, and then Texas kind of had a little bit of buzz there. Alabama's got the buzz leading up to that decision there. So, like I said, this is a recruitment that I think it's Alabama heading into this decision timeline. But the way this has just been an up-and-down type of recruitment, you know, I wouldn't be shocked with anything there, um, but I, I do think it's Alabama for him heading into that Friday decision. Yeah, I mean, Florida's got no shortage of things to sell there, obviously, with, you know, the production that Kyle Pitts put together. But, uh, you know, like you said, a guy that maybe a year ago, this is a different story, but for now seems trending the other way. Talk to me about some of these other guys, uh, Jaden Gibson, Gentry Williams, Azariah Thomas, whoever you want to kind of tackle there. Those are three guys I know that have decisions potentially upcoming that Florida's been in the mix for. Yeah, I'll start with the guys who have dead set decision dates. And uh, Jaden Gibson, the four-star wide receiver from West Orange High School, that's who I'll be going to see uh, play. Jordan Phillips, who I talked about earlier on Monday for that high school game. Um, He'll be making his decision on October 13th at 2.30 p.m. Uh, That's Eastern time here in the state of Florida. He'll be making at the gym at his high school. Um, He's got – 
a rather large handful of finalists there. I know Georgia, South Carolina, Miami, Baylor, I think Tennessee is one of them. He has so many that it's hard for me to jump off the top of my head. Florida State's one. Florida is a team that I've had my crystal ball pick on since February. You know, he's got family ties. His parents went to Florida. Um, They were really excited about having the chance to go there. He's really built a really good relationship with Billy Gonzalez. Um, He's kind of pointed out to the fact that he's produced a lot of guys that wide receiver position, you know, the Van Jeffersons, the Kadarius Tonys, you know, the Josh Hammonds, you know, they're they're Tyreek Cleveland's. There's been a lot of guys that Florida's had drafted. And I think that that's something that's really stuck out to him. He's seen uh, Florida really air it out under Kyle Trask. You know, this year they really haven't thrown it as much, obviously, with them really focusing on that run game. But one thing that really stuck out to me from talking to him after he visited from that Florida Alabama game was asking about Anthony Richardson. You know, that was something that he really stuck out to him because, you know, with Anthony Richardson being more of the future type of guy and Jaden coming in as a younger guy, you know, that's the guy that he's more likely going to keep an eye on, you know, because that's, that's probably who's going to play with more than likely. So he really has stuck out and said that stuck out to him about just his athleticism, the way he airs things out there. Um, and he said, you know, whenever he's making his decision, Jaden is a very focused type of kid. He looks at all aspects of things. You know, yes, football is important, but, you know, things that, you know, having a chance to play with a guy like Anthony Richardson, who a lot of people really rave about, that's something that stands out to him about Florida. My crystal ball, like I said, is on Florida heading in that decision. You know, I, I feel pretty good about it. You know, I, I think that Florida's been in a really good spot. Kiwan Ratliff is a guy that's known Jaden since he was a little boy. Um, you know, he had that seven on seven team in the Orlando area. So there are a lot of ties to Florida that I think have just always been too tough to overcome for you know a lot of these schools that, you know, maybe even if they offered before. But, you know, this is a guy that I think at his heart has always wanted to go to Florida. And that's where I'm sticking with right there um, heading into that October 13th decision. Jinchi Williams is a guy that's going to be making his commitment on October 18th. Five star. I think five, uh, high four star. He high was a five star kind of guy on the composite. I, I know I'd mentioned he was a five star before, but pulling it up now. Um, he was a five star on the 24 seven sports composite. Took an official visit to Florida there in June. Um, it's, it's, it's been an interesting recruitment because a lot of the schools that are made up of his final core schools have been recruiting him at the cornerback position. And Florida has always stuck to their guns of being a wide receiver type of guy for him, recruiting him at wide receiver. And I think in the beginning, that was something that was always kind of strange to him just because I think he wanted to play cornerback. He wanted to play defense at the, at the college level, but then he took his, you know, a couple of uh, zoom visits with Florida whenever the dead period was going on and how they had everything so structured and had a plan for him and had really an idea of what they wanted to do with him. And I think they did a really good job conveying that to him to where it opened him up a little bit more to having the opportunity to play wide receiver at Florida. He took his official visit in June, spent a lot of time around Garrick McGee, um, who's a graduate of Booker T Washington high school out there in Oklahoma, which is where uh, Gentry goes to school at. So there's a connection there. Um, and, 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 uh, uh, Coach Garrick McGee has really got a lot of ties there in that area. And a lot of families really like him. That Tulsa area, a lot of guys and families really like him out there. Um, And, you know, talking to him on his official visit, the Florida staff said, you know, yeah, we think you're a wide receiver. But, you know, Coach Mullen was telling him that, you know, I don't don't predict the future. You know, I don't know how things are going to go. If you come here and you start out a wide receiver and it's really not something you're feeling or it's not something that you're thriving at, you know, we'll throw you at cornerback, you know, we're recruiting you as an athlete. So, you know, I think that Florida made a good impression with him early on. I think the farther on this recruitment is gone, Oklahoma has always been seen as a team to beat. He's just coming off an official visit there in the fall. Uh, they've got a run of crystal ball predictions in there. So I think the Sooners being the in-state team, you know, getting him on campus there for that official visit, heading into that October 18th decision, I think it's Oklahoma for him. And All then you right. mentioned Azarea Thomas, um, a, a four-star defensive back from up there in the Niceville area in the Panhandle. 
he's the one guy out of all these other ones that I mentioned that doesn't have a set decision date. So, I mean, he could very well take it past October, you know, him not really committing to a certain date really kind of makes this kind of open for him. Um, talking to him after he visited Florida for the Alabama game, he mentioned, you know, maybe late to September decision, early October decision timeline. You know, we're starting to hit that midway, starting to get closer to the midway point of October. He doesn't have a date yet. I think it's between Florida and Georgia Tech for him. I think okay. that Florida is a school that, you know, he has a lot of ties to the coaching staff. He really likes their program, you know, the way they attack, you know, the position at cornerback uh, where they want him to play. And Georgia Tech has both of his brothers there. And I think that there's that family connection there um, that's kept them in alive um, in this recruitment. He's taken a couple of visits to Georgia Tech. LSU is the other finalist, but I feel like they have faded quite a bit since having a really successful June official visit. And LSU is kind of one of those other teams that they've lost some games. There's been some talks around Ed Georgia. Yeah, might have coaching turnover. You know, so there's, I think, a little bit of uncertainty there that has caused them to sort of fade in this recruitment. But no set decision date, but I – I wouldn't be shocked if he had a decision sometime in October because that's what he said. You know, it could be sometime in October. But again, with no set date, it's hard to really pin down. You know, this is a dead set thing. I guess this is the guy that said he could have been committed to the end of July. Then it was going to be the end of August. And then it was going to be the end of September. So he's not been afraid to move things out farther if he needs to take some time to think about things more. My crystal ball prediction is on Florida, and I think they're the front runner heading into it. If he does make a decision this month or he doesn't. All right, Blake. Well, before we wrap up recruiting, I got to ask you, you talked about October being a big month for Florida. They land four-star Jamari Lyons, obviously a big addition. Knowing what you just talked about with some of these other guys, where's your kind of confidence level in Florida recruiting right now as far as where they are and where they need to be? You know, I think if you land Azariah Thomas, I think that's a guy that's a really, I mean, that's a priority guy for Florida. You landed Jaden Gibson, that's another priority guy for Florida. Jamari Lyons was another priority guy for Florida. So, you know, while they aren't the five-star type of guys that Florida fans want, but these are priority guys that the coaching staff went out and wanted. High, high on their board. High on their board out there. You know, they really want these guys. They've been recruiting these guys, if not from a freshman like Jamari Lyons to, you know, the greater part of last year. You know, Jules Montanar, Florida's cornerbacks coach, it was maybe a couple weeks after he was hired he was the one who extended an offer to Thomas so I mean these are guys that are priority top of the board type of targets for Florida so you know it, it probably won't move the the class ranking up you know tremendously up into the top five where a lot of Florida fans want that recruiting class to be but these are top tier guys that Florida staff went out and evaluated wanted and took their greatest shot at so um, you know those are the guys that the coaching staff really wants to land and I think fans have really started to, that, that really follow recruiting really know that these guys are top tier guys for Florida so I think there's going to be some excitement if Florida does you know get a guy like Gibson or a guy like Thomas like I expect. All right man well I appreciate the recruiting update let's go ahead and take a quick break and when we come back on the other side we will break down whatever there is to break down from Florida Vanderbilt. versus a very bad Vanderbilt team. So right on the other side of this commercial break. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them. And easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. 
With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, I I really don't want to try to get into a whole lot of specifics on Vanderbilt. You know, a lot of times we'll we'll spend some time on the podcast breaking down matchups. I'll go back and rewatch, you know, a team's previous games to kind of see, you know, the guys you got to circle, that kind of thing. So you watched a ton of Vanderbilt this week. Yeah, I've watched exactly zero seconds of <laughs> Vanderbilt football. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, like, maybe I should have. Maybe that's me doing a bad job. Man, uh, disappointed. I, I mean, fans after last week, I think I I, uh, I captioned our video. Kentucky a trap game? Nah, not really. Uh, yeah, so it's probably that's... not a great sign that I'm not taking Vandy seriously. But if you're into superstitions and all that. But anyway, Blake. Florida's like a 30-something point favorite in this 39. game. Uh, frankly, this should not be a game. This, this game is all about Florida, I guess, is really the moral of the story. Coming off a loss to Kentucky, I think, you know, I, I, I don't know exactly where this team heads. I'm not sure that we find that out this week. So I guess, Blake, let me ask you this. Is there anything that you can take away from a game against Vanderbilt? And if so, what is it? Kind of what do you want to see? You just got to beat the piss out of them. You know, I think that that's what, I mean, for, sorry guys, if that hurt your feelings, no, I, say I, that. I like it. Um, I think at this point that loss to Kentucky has put a lot of taste in a bad taste in a lot of these Florida players mouth, you know, coming in there for that, you know, those, you know, those senior guys that came back, you know, the Stuart Reese's, you know, the, the Jeremiah moons, the Zachary Carter's, those kind of guys really want to make a run at that playoff, you know, kind of get over the hump that Florida hasn't been able to do. And, you know, seeing Dan Mullen watching his press conference with the media early this week, you know, he was fielded some tough questions. And you could see he was pretty pissed. Like, I mean, he had yeah. like a look on his face to where he would have rather been anywhere other than in that room with you guys. So I think that that sort of questions creeping in of, you know, where is the trajectory, the program, where are things at? Has, has they hit the ceiling? Is there the floor? You know, all those kind of questions, I think, are really going to kind of pour out of the coaching staff and the team this week. And I think that they come out angry and they want to come out and just beat up on like the, like the nerdiest smallest guy in school. And that's Vanderbilt this week. Yeah. And I think that'll happen. I mean, I think I don't sense from this program, from these players that they're in any danger of like, no, not at all. And and I'm not saying that either, but I just, no, and I'm not saying you were, it's kind of like just taking out all that frustration from that Kentucky loss on, you know, like, like I said, the nerdiest smallest guy in school. Yeah. And I think that has to happen. Um, You know, I, it's so weird because I mean, really the margin for error in the SEC is so small. And and I think last week's game goes to show that. I mean, you come off that Alabama game, you know, you're down 21-3, you manage to basically come all the way back, have a shot to tie it with a two-point conversion. I mean, it just felt like Florida was on such a good track momentum-wise. You come out and you beat Tennessee very, very soundly, even in a game that, you know, wasn't perfectly executed or anything like that. But then you just have such a setback and all of a sudden – it's like that narrative went from like Florida's ready to take the next step. Like they're inching closer to that getting over the Alabama hump. And then all of a sudden it's like, Whoa, man, we've lost to Kentucky twice in four years. We're three and two, the SEC East for the most part looks like an absolute long shot. Um, but on the flip side, like I, I'm not going to be surprised if Florida shows up and, 
uh, takes care of business at LSU and then has a really good game plan against Georgia. And all of a sudden it looks very different three weeks from now. I think kind of trying to put where this program is, where this team is and where it's headed going forward. I guess the, the bigger picture context in a lot of ways is kind of twofold for me. One is the defensive improvement that we've seen sustainable under Todd Grantham, because obviously that was a huge part of last year's question, right? And I think one of the things that the Kentucky loss kind of overshadowed in some ways is I think Florida's defense has actually been really good this year. And they, they obviously were not very good early on. And, you know, you kind of saw that in the first two games, a little bit sloppy, missed tackles against Alabama, same thing. I really think the last two weeks, and granted, Tennessee and Kentucky probably aren't the best barometers, but they've been pretty good, man. So um, can that continue to happen? Can those guys continue to develop? Because if they do, I think you're looking at a team next year that has a lot, a lot of young pieces. Yes, you'll have to replace, you know, a Zach Carter. But silver lining, Ventrell Miller's already out this year, so you're already getting some younger guys in there. Um, I think you're seeing a lot of pieces, especially in the secondary, that can step up. Jervon Dexter's a guy that's stepping up in the middle of that defensive line. I think the defense, potentially, if they can keep building, could be very good. Offensively, I think a lot more people have question marks, and so maybe we'll shift to, to kind of this discussion about the quarterback position because I think that's mainly where the question marks are. I'm kind of twofold on this argument. I think Emory Jones, the last three weeks, has really, really done a good job. Now, I say that, that doesn't mean that I think long-term he's the guy at quarterback. And I guess where I'm going with that is I think Dan Mullen has kind of gotten a handle on who Emory Jones is as a quarterback, at least for now, and, and kind of has the framework that he wants to work within with Emory Jones. And, and for Emory Jones to continue to push out of that framework, he's going to have to show significant improvement. Unfortunately, me, Unfortunately for me, Blake, I feel like that framework is so limited right now that there are legitimate questions about whether or not Florida going beyond 2021 can take the next step with him being the guy, right? Can, can Florida truly win a championship with him being the guy? And that's where I think, especially in this game against Vanderbilt, if you're Dan Mullen, if you believe Emory Jones can be the guy, I need to see him start to do some things with his arm that we haven't seen yet. Right. And I think Florida kind of tried to do that when they were, I guess, sussing out, you know, who Emory Jones was in the first two weeks. And we saw a lot of those turnovers, those, you know, mistakes and decision making. I want to see them open it up again like they did in the first two weeks. Let Emory Jones kind of sink or swim against a very bad Vanderbilt team. Right. I want to see them throw it all over the place, man. Like I to me, I want to see what he can handle. And I want to see Anthony Richardson continue to get more reps. And, and kind of let that play out against a Vanderbilt. Work on your passing game more so than anything, because you'll be able to run all over Vanderbilt. Am I, am I unfair in thinking that quarterback is kind of a big part of setting the future of the program? And, and that really, in my opinion, starts this week with Vanderbilt. Yeah, you know, and I think if there's a perfect chance to give Anthony Richardson some reps, you know, it's definitely on a Vanderbilt team that should be outmatched, you know, and I'm not talking about, you know, a series here, a series there, like we've seen, you know, this is a, a team that Florida should be up well over around halftime, start of the third quarter type of game to where Anthony Richardson should get, you know, a quarter, a, half, a quarter and a half, two quarters, so something to that effect, yeah. you should let him get a lot more reps there. And I think that that gives you an idea of the future because 
the game, the, the, the reps that you've seen him play in games, he's made a lot of spectacular plays, you know, according to Dan Mullen, he's missed some reads here and there, but this is a chance to get him familiar with, you know, those reads and what they can do. And, you know, all those types of things that comes into just knowing just the, the majority of the part of the, of the, you know, the offense as a whole for Florida and what they want to do. So I think that, you know, it's for, as far as going for the future, getting him a lot more than, you know, a series here, a series there, maybe two series back to back type of, you know, type of game plan. I think that this is the perfect week to really kind of mold him more for the future. Because again, I do agree with you. I think, I think at this point we know what Emory Jones can do, what his strengths are. You've seen him kind of throw a lot of those, you know, kind of out routes, bubble type of screen plays, you know, those kind of dink and dunk things. And, you know, you really haven't seen him take, you know, to launching down the field that you did see in those first two games. But, you know, even Dan Mullen said that that was a chance to try to make him uncomfortable with some things that he's not comfortable with. And, you know, he's had some struggles. He's thrown some interceptions. Um, so, you know, I think that this is a chance to, you know, really kind of test Emory Jones and being able to stretch the field against a Vanderbilt team. But I think also, too, for the future, it's a chance to give Anthony Richardson a little bit more than, you know, a rep here, a rep there, a series here, a series there. And my thinking is, I, I think, look, we said weeks ago, even before the Alabama game, Florida's going to need both of these guys the whole season. I still believe that. Like, I don't think you're just suddenly handing the the reins to Anthony Richardson and he's your guy. He starts the Georgia game, anything like that. I, I don't know, but that getting in some out. of those reps gets him more comfortable when it comes sure. time to play Georgia though. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I guess, I guess my thinking is like, I, you know, you got to start working on it sometime and you know, how is an Anthony Richardson going to be ready if you wanted to turn it over to him for an LSU game, a Georgia game, if you don't start to get him involved against teams that he should be overmatched with. And look, if you go in and you make mistakes against a Vanderbilt team, better to have them show up there than in one of these big games, because you can go in and say, hey, OK, now we have a bit better idea, kind of what you're bringing to the table. And and I'll even go back to like when Emory was a backup, there were there were times where I felt like you know, I wish that they would have worked Emery a little bit more as a passer. You know, maybe you would have had a little bit better idea of what he needed to work on. And um, I, I worry a little bit that, that that's the same track we may see with Anthony Richardson. And again, I, far be it from me to question anything when it comes to Dan Mullen in terms of how he handles quarterbacks. But I think that if you're talking about, and again, this is, this is where it's different from like fans and what they kind of expect to see or want to see as far as trajectory of the program versus what Dan Mullen's seeing. And I always tell people this, like coaches very much, they're singular in their focus during a season. And that is to win the next game, to put together a game plan that's going to win the next game. And if they feel like they can involve Anthony Richardson and do that, then they will. If they aren't as sure, then they're not going to like, they don't take the same mindset as kind of the way fans view it of like, let's build for the future. There's not really anything to play for this season. It's just not the way coaches operate. So I guess I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I'd like to see a better balance struck between kind of those two quarterbacks getting them ready. I guess, Blake, if there's anything else in this Vanderbilt game that I want to see coming out of it in terms of this 2021 team, this Florida team, and I guess for lack of better terminology, being able to salvage the 2021 season and not allow it to spiral out of control on you. Florida's got to stay healthy on the O-line. Like, that has to happen. That's, that's to me, the biggest potential disaster for this 2021 team where things could go south quickly. You've had four starters now on the O-line leave games at various points. So far, they all look like minor injuries, but if those dominoes start to fall, that's where you get concerned. So you can't afford to lose anybody up front against Bandy. 
I agree. You know, you've seen it there. You know, there's been some guys that have come in like a Michael Tarquin who stepped in and he's made really good, you know, use of his time. You've got a guy like Richie Leonard, who I think has been fine, but he hasn't been the same as, you know, throwing Kingsley in there. So there is some drop off there. So getting those guys on the mend, um, I think is really good for Florida, you know, even from, you know, getting some of those backup types of guys, more game reps there so that you can throw them in the fire if something does happen. But, you know, getting healthy is definitely priority one for them on that O-line. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of the podcast. We're going to cut it a little bit shorter. I really, I don't have a whole lot to say against Vanderbilt. I hope you guys aren't too disappointed. Um, like I said, I, I'm not sure that this is a week really for Florida where you do much other than, like Blake said, come out, hopefully beat the snot out of this team and get guys just, you know, shaking that feeling from last week, you know, heading into Baton Rouge the following week where you feel like you've got some confidence. Again, hopefully you can stay healthy. Hopefully you can work Anthony Richardson a little bit more. But I think at this point for Florida, it's all about regrouping. It's about putting a win down in the win column and then getting ready for what's going to be a very interesting next two games beyond that, you know, on the road in Baton Rouge against an LSU team that's got plenty of its own issues. Uh, again, I think from a narrative standpoint, that's not a game you really want to lose because if you lose to a program that's also in turmoil, all of a sudden that potential for this season to really go off the rails comes into play. And so, you know, I, I don't know that we're going to learn anything about Florida this week, but I think as far as what you'd like to see if you're a fan, I think probably most people agree you want to see a little bit more Anthony Richardson. So anyway, guys, that'll do it for today's episode of the Swamp 24-7 podcast. We may very well dial it back to two episodes per week. Um, I'm not sure the best way to communicate that with you, so I'll talk to Blake about that, whether we put it out via tweet, whether or not we're doing that Tuesday episode. But, you know, with some of the big picture goals off the table, sometimes there's not as much to talk about. So anyway, that'll do it. We'll definitely be back Sunday with a breakdown of the Vanderbilt game, talking how things went. And hopefully we have a good number of snaps from Anthony Richardson to go over and talk about how he did. But anyway, today, guys, that's it for the Swamp 24-7 podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.